Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, myself, Stan Chum, the bearded legend. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special interview. During this interview, we're going to find out more about the new vice chairman and principal investor of Leighton Orient Football Club, some calling him a saviour. So, without further ado, we are delighted to say he now joins us on the phone. A very warm welcome, Mr. Kent Tiagu. I mean, Teague. <laughs> welcome, Kent. How are you? <laughs> We're still blaming Martin Good for that evening, one. Good evening, gentlemen. And, uh, oh, we are, I, I'm super excited to be a part of the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Ken. And uh, I think, yeah, we, 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 uh, we've got so many questions and um, hopefully we'll be able to squeeze it, squeeze it all in. So I guess from, from the first question, really, uh, or oh, actually an apology that we pronounced your name uh, wrong in the first instance, but I guess starting at the beginning, really, Ken, perhaps you could sort of introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Well, my mother loves it uh, that you uh, called us the way that you did. Uh, you made us sound very European, so I appreciate Martin Ling doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess by way of introduction, uh, you know, I'm a, a guy that uh, is from Texas. Obviously, I probably don't sound like uh, I'm from somewhere in Scotland or Ireland or England or the UK. Um, I'm a business guy. Uh, primarily, uh, I've done a lot of different technology businesses. I've always been very interested in sports. Uh, I played sports when I was a kid, and I've always loved the business of sports. And I've always wanted to be involved in the business of sports. So I get the chance to do that, which I'm very excited about. Um, you know, I'm a family guy. I've got uh, three girls and a wife, and I've got about, uh, you know, 150 family members that are going to be at our family reunion this weekend. And so, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm sort of a normal guy. It's uh, just been very, very blessed in life. Brilliant. Brilliant. So in terms of late night, you said you, you love, you love your sport. So at what point did you start to seriously think about investing, uh, in late Orient? Uh, the first email that I got about Leighton Orient was in August of last year, um, and we had uh, started the process of looking for a club uh, to be involved in uh, with some friends of mine in the UK, um, and we looked at a number of different clubs, and Leighton Orient was a part of that list. Uh, I'm not going to give you the names of the other clubs uh, because they're no longer relevant, to be honest. Um, but uh, we looked at a number of clubs, and then uh, in April, uh, late April, I think April 24th, 25th, something like that, I got an email from a friend of mine in Houston and an email from a friend of mine in New York, uh, both independent of each other, uh, who introduced me to uh, Nigel. And then Nigel and I had a conversation. Uh, I immediately said, yes, I want to do this. I flew to Boston. I stayed with uh, Nigel one evening uh, in his lovely home uh, in Boston, uh, met his wife, his kids, and we got along famously. Uh, and then we started uh, working on the process of, uh, you know, acquiring the club. And he's talked about how we got up in the morning at 4.30 my time, 5.30 his time, every day, seven days a week, uh, which is what we did. And my interest in late morning uh, just became, you know, uh, continued to build and build and build. And my dedication uh, to the fans and to the community just uh, got stronger and stronger with every tweet that I got, with every email that I got, with every LinkedIn uh, you know, uh, note that I got. Um, and, you know, it, it, it turned from an interest into a, uh, a very strong passion, which I'm very excited about. You mentioned the social media aspect. So when was it you started looking at social media? And I, I know you've mentioned the Blackpool game as being quite a pivotal point that, that, that drew, you to, drew you to the club. Yeah. Well, the Blackpool game was really important for me because uh, I think it was 951 or 952, if I remember correctly, uh, the number of fans, and it was out of 1,000. And that was after uh, there were some questions about whether the tickets were going to be made available or not. 
And so just seeing how passionate the fans were to be there to support the club and the players uh, and the coaches, uh, you know, for the Blackpool match were fantastic. It was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. When you know that you're being relegated for the most part, people pretty much have decided they, they don't want to be associated to the club anymore, you know, after us, after a certain amount of time. So, uh, I, you know, in a certain way. And so I thought it was just phenomenal, the fan response uh, to that. And, you know, I watched the Colchester game on live uh, in the morning here, uh, afternoon, certain there. Uh, and I saw and I saw reaction and I saw, the, you know, again, a very passionate fan base, uh, which is which is fantastic. The. You know, the question about social media really comes down to a question of when, you know, when and why. I I used social media in the past from a Twitter perspective to communicate with some of our businesses, which were in various time zones, because we had a business that had locations in China, India, uh, Frankfurt, the U, uh, London, Croydon and uh, all over the United States. And so I use that as a way to communicate with them publicly uh, at times. When we formed Eagle Investments and it became a part of the company's house, uh, I knew that the fans would find it because they were looking for Nigel's name. Um, so when they found Nigel's name, then they found Go Creek Capital. And when they found Go Creek Capital, they found Rodney Kentique II. And when they found Gold Creek Capital, then they had access to my email. And from there, they went to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, a number of different social media platforms. So when I started to notice that it was coming out on Twitter, I decided to uh, introduce Cryptic Kent <laughs> and start the process of responding. Um, and Cryptic Kent was something I had expected that would uh, uh, come of age or ability, but it has become this fantastic alter ego, which I think will be a lot of fun over the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, yeah. already we're big fans of Cryptic Kent as, as well as most of the Ultimate fan base. And I think there's a question later on uh, that we have from, from someone who tweeted us. Um, so it, it's great, obviously, with the interaction uh, that, that you know fans crave that sort of thing, and uh, there's nothing like a bit of social mm -hmm. media stalking. Um, and it seems that people have been doing mm -hmm. that in abundance. We read the interview that you did with uh, the club, Charlie uh, Charlie Long at the club. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds mm -hmm. like you've done quite a lot of research on Orient. I have. Um, Nigel gave me a couple of different books to read. Um, I've, you know, obviously I am a technology guy, so I'm very adept at, uh, Google searches and Bing searches and things like that. And I am an avid reader. Uh, so I, you know, I love going out and learning about the history. Um, obviously there is a lot of history, uh, a lot of it centered around World War One and the things that were done in that time frame. Um, and that's because it wasn't a very emotional time, and it, and it deservedly so, it was. Um, and I've read a lot about the history of the 60s and the 16 seconds, and I asked uh, Martin about the 16 seconds. And so I'm learning. Uh, to say that I'm an expert, that's, that's going to take a lifetime for me to be an expert, but I am certainly very interested and very passionate about knowing the traditions of Leighton Orient. Tradition uh, in a football club are extremely important and extremely valuable. They bind a community together around, uh, a, a, you know, they, they form, they cause the formation of a group of people that are identified collectively as one group. Um, and that's a really important part of sports, and that's a really important part of the community. So I see how important to this, you know, that Leighton Orient is a part of the social fabric of London, East London, and the people and the families. So when I part of this comes at me from the perspective of Nigel, because Nigel says, "Look, my dad, my granddad, my son." my grandson, you know, 
And so now I get the chance to be a part of Nigel's family, which I'm super excited to be a part of. As a, as a perhaps a, as a point of reference for the future, when you're over, you might want to speak to a chap called Steve Jenkins in the Supporters Club because he he um, uncovered the history that we have with the First World War, um, and it's an extremely interesting story. And it got turned into a play, uh, a theatre in London uh, called They Took the Leap. Yep. Um, if you've not been, I'm sure you probably yep. have, but that that as a point of reference would be. Um, Steve, good... Steve Jenkins. Steve Jenkins' books is one of the ones that Nigel gave me. Ah, oh, cool, amazing. lovely, amazing. So, obviously, you met Nigel. <laughs> right. You formed right. a consortium. The consortium goes into negotiations, and on June the twenty second, a day that will live forever, long in every fan's memory. I'm sure it will do for yours as well. The deal mm-hmm. goes through and gets signed, and it's announced at four forty five to a, a euphoric reception. Um, mm-hmm. all over the world I would say not just East mm-hmm. London I'm sure in the States and, and wherever mm-hmm. people were so how did it feel um, for you when the, when the deal was done and where were you when the deal was done I was in Australia so I was plus nine to 445 which means it was what 145 yeah in the morning yeah um, I uh, found out about it and basically I raised my hands above my head and I said woohoo <laughs> and my wife and my wife who was asleep next to me I decided not to wake her up um, and my girls were in a separate uh, hotel room so the celebration for me was uh, pretty personal uh, it was I was super excited the next morning at breakfast uh, you know when we went down for breakfast and the celebration for me was one of knowing that um, you know now we could really get to work and, and make a difference. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, the celebration was not the champagne popping and, and anything like that. Um, but it was, it is, it is a level of gratification that is hard to describe. I will admit that. And speaking of cryptic Ken that you've already mentioned before, your Twitter header was a blurred out <laughs> photo that revealed itself in its full glory at about 4.47 hour time to reveal um, <laughs> the underground station of Leighton. And, uh, that was just brilliant. Correct. That, that, brought, that brought a smile. Correct. To a lot of people. There were, there, were two, there were two things that happened. Um, the Leighton Orient, or Leighton Tucson, uh, became perfectly clear, which it does have nine shades of blur, by the way. And the other thing that changed, and most people may or may not have seen this, but my... Uh, picture on Twitter changed. I went from facing one direction to another direction. And if you look carefully at that picture, the background is the away color and the four the tie that I'm wearing is now red as opposed to purple. So that is also something that subtly changed on my Twitter. And I did both of those right after I found out that, that we had accomplished the uh, takeover. That's brilliant. I don't think many fans noticed no. that. I certainly didn't. So well done. Oh, wow. Another cryptic Kent it's lives just, on. Cryptic it's Kent fun. It's again. supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. We're going to have to pay very close attention to your social media <laughs> activities, Mr. Mr. T. Uh, so what have the last two weeks, since the takeover has been announced, obviously euphoria broke out throughout the Orient community. A lot of... Um, a lot of sports commentators, people that you know, journalists have, have said sort of how what wonderful thing it is that Leighton Orient have been sort of saved. But so fr- from our perspective, I think Euphoria Steve summed it up quite quite well there. What what's it been like for you? It's been very exciting. Um, I I can't express uh, enough how. Um, honored and privileged I am to get so many emails, so many uh, notes on LinkedIn, uh, so many responses on Twitter. Uh, there are so many different um, you know posts that have been done in the forums and a lot of different posts on Facebook. Um, and so I see the feedback and I see the thrill. Uh, I see uh, the devotion, the passion, the love, the feeling of family, uh, the feeling of relief, the feeling, you know, all these emotions that are that are coming forward. And I am just so super excited uh, for the future of the fans. And it is it is extremely humbling 
uh, for somebody like me uh, to have the opportunity to help uh, in the future guide and direct something that is so, so very important uh, to, you know, to London, to East London and to the fans of Lake Norian. Uh, it's it, that's that's a that's a privilege and an honor. Uh, it's something I am going to take great care in, and and really try to do very very well. That's brilliant. So yesterday the fixtures uh, were released for the national league, and we have got <laughs> Sutton. They were they the were software the... kicked it out. <laughs> yeah, and we have got Sutton away first game of the season. So <laughs> on telly, I know I know you're going to quite a few preseason games, but how pumped are you now for the start of the season? So as far as starting away, um, certainly I would have preferred that we started at home, um, but you know the invasion begins, so we. <laughs> We're going to travel a little south, then uh, we'll go figure it out. I'm super excited about getting the chance to go to the first three uh, matches of the season. So the 8th is going to be fantastic, and the 12th is also going to be fantastic. My family will be in town for the 12th, and they are thrilled to be a part of it. And that's really good, and I guess... The advantage of being away first game is you get two home games that follow each other in a short amount of time. So, you, like you said, you and your family get to come on the Tuesday to Brisbane Road against Solihull, and then you get to come on the following on the following Saturday as well. And we're looking really forward to getting back into Brisbane yep. Road. I think that Tuesday night atmosphere against Solihull is going to be absolutely electric, and I think you're going to have a lot of people, um, you and Nigel and Matt and and everyone and Lingy, are just going to have a, a, so many people wanting to come up and shake your hand. So. So make sure you've got your hand uh, hand cleaners at the ready yeah, and arrive <laughs> and arrive so, in plenty of time. So yeah, so so there's maybe there's a couple of things to talk about there. So I'm going to be in London uh, the 11th through the 23rd. This is pretty well known. It's it's on Twitter. Um, I've got a number of different places where I'm going to try to be so I can shake as many hands and meet as many fans as I possibly can. I have an entire tweet string that's going to come out on Sunday that's going to talk about drinking and how to drink responsibly, even when you have a lot of friends who want to help you drink. Uh, so we're going to so we're going to do that on Sunday, um, and I, I can't wait to uh, to have the experience of being able for them to say thank you to me, and me be able to say thank you to them. Um, we are honored and privileged and just, it is, I cannot wait, um, to do that, uh, to be in front of people and to see the thrill in their eyes and so that they can see the thrill in my Great answer. And you've already had some interaction with some Orient fans as you met up in Australia, um, with a few fans. Mm-hmm. How, how was that? What was that like? Because I guess that was your first interaction with Orient with, with fans as real human beings since the takeover. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very interesting for my wife to have people. Uh, it was. It was uh, Pierre uh, and Malcolm and, and Louis. Uh, but Pierre walked up and he said, "Excuse me, are you Kent Teague?" Of course, I stood immediately up, knew why he in his you know British accent. So I begin to shake his hand and he says we're late Orient fans and I said so are we <laughs> and uh and so we had a great and we were just we just happened to be in the airport uh together in gates that were departing about the same time for Sydney uh, next to each other so I said you know we're super excited went over met Malcolm met Louie uh, introduced him to my family you know introduced him to my family we said we're getting together uh, with uh, Mikey and Dames the next night, you know, can they make it? And so uh, we made it into an evening uh, in Sydney. Amazing. That's absolutely that brilliant. just fate. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and so and so my so my so now my wife is uh, it's it's just it's very interesting for us because we don't normally have that happen to us. <laughs> That's not the normal course of business for us. Uh, so it was, you know, my, my girls and my, my wife were really in awe of, of how it worked out. It was, it was really surreal. It was truly surreal. Yeah. Prepare them. Prepare them. It's going to get bigger. (laughs) Hope 
especially when you're over. Yeah. <laughs> and did they did they manage to teach you any Orient songs? So have you had your first kind of Orient song sung to you yet, or have you had anything like that at all? No, I have not. I am not versed in uh, the Orient songs, but my plan is to become very versed in those. That's the reason that I'm going uh, to the three away. Uh, matches the preseason away matches uh you know this this next two weeks um i actually am planning on being a part of uh you know the fans um and learning all of that and really seeing uh the late morning experience from the fan base and from a Amazing. fan's perspective so i'm super excited about that it's, I, it's definitely I, I, I literally can't wait I literally can't wait. Now, the first night, I get to go with Martin over to Spurs, uh, which is on the 12th. Uh, but, you know, we're going to do that one first, but then we're going to go to the to the next three. So Harlow and, you know, I may be having tea before or after. Brilliant. That's going to be awesome. And if you want to get versed in some audience songs, we, we, we're more than happy to teach you live on the interview. So if you want... <laughs> Your first taste, Kent. We're more than happy to uh, to start singing you some songs uh, as the interview goes this, on. This is your this is your gig. My uh, my 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 request is that maybe I learn some songs uh, when I'm in London, and uh, and we'll do some maybe at Leighton Tech or something like that. The Leighton Technical, the Leighton oh, yeah. Technical. Good wow. choice. Okay. Good yes, choice. Absolutely. Or in the supporters club. Um, yeah. So. During your time uh, in London, you know, you're going to be obviously meeting and greeting a, a lot of people. Um, uh, thankfully, um, obviously, there's there's games that you can come to, etc. But in, in uh, just sort of, I guess, moving forward slightly in terms of the sort of goals and aims that you have um, uh, set out or discussed. Uh, with other uh, investors and Nigel, um, short-term goals for the for, for Lake Norman and long-term goals. What? How do you see those, or, or what have you set out? Uh, short-term goals. Uh, it really comes down to one word, and that's stability. That is to prove that stability has returned uh, to the club, and it 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 happens in two specific spots. Uh, one is on what I call the technical side, and that is uh, Martin Ling's uh, responsibility and his focus. Um, you know, we call him director of football. I really think of him as CEO of football. So his role is to shape and mold uh, the you know our football from a first-team perspective all the way through the academy. And he does that in a couple of different ways. He does that with coaching appointments. He does that with academy appointments. He does that with all of that. And he's also involved in, you know, player uh, situations and, and, and really helping to build uh, the appropriate team. Like he said on his, uh, you know, uh, interview with you guys, he said, the first coach works for me as much as I work for the first coach. And that is a truth. And, and so Martin, while he does work for the board, we also work for him. And it's our responsibility to remove roadblocks and to get him the appropriate resources necessary in order to build a side and an academy and all of that, that Leighton Orient fans and community can be very proud to support. Over on the commercial side, which is that's the set side, you know, that's where Marshall Taylor is focused uh, as the interim CEO. Of course, we want to hire uh, a new CEO uh, as quickly as possible, but we want to make an appointment that really can make a difference over a five or 10 year period. We do not expect that that CEO would change out, um, you know, very often. Uh, so we want to get that appointment right from a stability perspective. And then uh, getting, you know, the staff uh, back to where it's fully staffed so that we can handle all of the different things that are coming at us from a football club ownership perspective. Again, Marshall works for us, but we work for Marshall. The staff works for us, but we work for the staff. 
I would say that most of the time that I'm in London will be focused around talking to the staff, talking to Marshall, and trying to figure out the best way for me to help remove any roadblocks that they're having in getting the things that we need to get accomplished short term so that we can open the season in a fantastic and stellar way. So short-term goals are stability and uh, the ability to, for us, to remove roadblocks in front of them so that they can get the most accomplished that they possibly can in the next uh, four, six, eight weeks. Great answer. Great answer. And Nigel has mentioned uh, in his interview about how important it is to build relationships with other clubs, uh, both domestically, and he mentioned Mm -hmm. trying to build relationships with clubs in, in the US. I mean, is that, is, how important is that for you? It's, ve- it's very important for me, and Nigel and I both have a number of uh, contacts with clubs uh, in the US. Um, and I've got, he's got relationships, and I've got relationships. I've got relationships with uh, you know, clubs at all different levels uh, in the United States. Um, because I've been looking by a club in the United States also. So, so we have those relationships. I do think that long-term or maybe even medium-term, those goals of an association in the United States are really important. But for me, uh, specifically, currently, the short-term goals are the most important in our relationships uh, in and around London in and around the UK, to me, those are the most important things for me personally to focus on over, you know, over the short term. And when I think of that, I think of that in terms of maybe the next four to six months. Once we have stabilized the club and the fans are, you know, excited about the side and we're playing and we're doing all that, then we can sort of go back to this concept of an expansion, you know, overseas and that sort of thing. Now, let me say this about one part of that. We are working very diligently on trying to figure out how to get the games of uh, Leighton Orient broadcast internationally. There are some legal things that we need to work out. There are some technical things that we need to work out. There are some uh, league things that we need to work out. We're working on trying to figure out how to do that so that we can have a worldwide inclusionary fan base for Leighton Orient. So there are things that we're trying to work on now that will impact the long term, and there are some things that we're working on now just to get them done because we feel like we're a little bit behind uh, from where a normal club would be at this time in the uh, preseason. Absolutely amazing. I think that that will absolutely resonate with uh, a lot of the fans that we have. That we, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, Middle East, uh, parts of Africa, North America, South America. There's, you know, and I think there'll be a lot of people that would be keen to to see that. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at. Well, I was looking at how many countries our listening figures in the last seven days, and and the podcast alone was listened to in over a hundred countries in the last week. So, so no, no idea. I mean. It, I've got an idea of how many countries you can get to, but there is obviously a demand for Leighton Orient games on TV worldwide to mm-hmm. the fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, it, it is, a, you know, it is a worldwide distribution network that we live in and Twitter really knows no boundaries. My email inbox doesn't seem to know any boundaries. <laughs> and uh, the, the only thing that I wish is that my email inbox was better at the English to Texan translation. But mm-hmm. other than that, it seems to work pretty well. Cool. Um, you mentioned about you know connecting with, uh, that you've got connections with uh, clubs and teams in, in, in the US. Do you see that as being... Uh, in the future, as you mentioned, in the long term, do you see that as being something that will help grow Leighton Orient in terms of perhaps players swapping or loaning or, or development? Is that something that you're thinking of in that regard? Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, some of the greatest players don't always play in the country in which they were born. So there's some guy named Messi I've heard of. And uh, so I think he was born in Argentina, but I think he plays in Spain. Um, 
And, and so, you know, so yes, we absolutely, as, as a club, we're going to want access to the best possible players who want to play for us, you know, worldwide. But we also have a responsibility to the community and to London and the UK to develop the best possible players that we can for the English side. So, you know, there's, there's a balance there. Uh, that that we'll have to achieve. Our relationship with U.S. clubs will occur on two different levels, just like it may happen that we have a relationship with clubs in South America that I have a deep love for also. Uh, And so there is the technical side or the player side and the coaching side, and then there is the commercial side. So we will want to marry both of those sides in all of those different areas of the world. Great to hear. Great to hear. So we've got a few quick fire questions for you now. Um, uh-huh. So we'll start with those. So first of all, to start off in, tea or coffee? Uh, tea or coffee? Uh, depends your- on time of day. Coffee early in the morning and tea at noon and in the afternoon. What's your, what's your favorite meal? Oh my gosh! Uh, this is this is uh, 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 see now. Okay, this is not you. Um, We've thrown you here, haven't we? Uh, well, well, because I have so many, um, I love <laughs> to eat. Uh, so, so are you giving me this question anywhere in the world, or is this just a just like pla- okay? So let me give you an meal. example. So if I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, my favorite meal is very different than if I'm in East London, because (laughs) in New Orleans, Louisiana, there's this flavor of food called Cajun, and you have gumbo, and you have crawfish etouffee, and you have whole boiled crawfish, and you have you know these types of things. But when you get into East London, I'm not sure. Do you know what crawfish is? So you, you, you see what I'm saying is that it's not. It's kind of not fair to say. Well, you just only get one meal. That would be terrible. Um, so, yeah, I. I'm very you know, surprised. I don't know. My favorite's lobster. Okay. Let's go with that. I'm very surprised of all the questions we've asked so far that that was the hardest question. <laughs> well, I hope so. And what's your favorite sport? So obviously we know about your love of football, but what what, what else are you into? Oh, my favorite sport. Uh, I, 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 they're, they're so different. So let me give you an example. So we're in Australia, and we're very close to some group of players called the All Blacks. <laughs> and they seem to be playing some some team that has a, like a lion or something. And so my favorite sport was rugby right then um, because it was the All Blacks and the Lions and I happened to be in Australia and it was fantastic being in an Australian pub watching the All Blacks and the Lions. There are days when I'm with my father and my favorite sport is golf. It happens to be we're at the Masters and we're at the back of 16, and we're watching golf. And so golf is my favorite that day. Um, so, you know, when it's the World Cup final, um, I think, so, uh, you know, football is probably my favorite. Uh, so it, 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 I, I have a great love of sport because I have a great love of watching the unknown become real to the fan in real time. Um, It's just, it's it, that to me, that's the greatest thing about sport is there's a lot of conversation and a lot of prediction up before it. And there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking is what we call it, (laughs) but you know, analysis after, but Mm. during the game when it's live and in color and in person, it's a phenomenal form of entertainment which is just and the shared experience with the fans who are sitting around you is so fantastic so 
I don't have a favorite sport. Sorry. Okay, that's okay. I mean, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of experiences, you're more than welcome to come and sit with us in the south stand at any time you like. <laughs> Obviously, you'll be in the Mobbed. in the gallery for your first couple of games. But anytime you want to come and balcony, and, and balcony. Obviously, yeah. Want to come and come and sit in the south stand? You're more, you're more than welcome. Um, so obviously, yep. when we do interviews, we kind of tweet about it and we try and get as many listening questions and get many people involved as possible. Mm-hmm. And we obviously had a massive response um, when we announced that you were coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We got a few questions off Twitter um, for you that you may have seen or you may not have seen. Obviously, because I've seen them all. I've seen them all. It should be pretty easy for you, Stan. <laughs> Damn it! So we'll start off with uh, from at PIJ Meister, who says, "Can we expect some puzzles in the program this year, following the popularity of Cryptic Kent?" Oh, so I haven't done this yet, but I was in Australia and I took a picture of what we call a crossword puzzle, but it's called uh, the Cryptic One or something like that. So yeah. I had no idea the usage of the word cryptic. Um, I, I doubt that we're going to have what I call a crossword puzzle in the program, but I do think that, uh, cryptic Kent will show up at some of the most odd times on the planet. <laughs> so let's just be prepared for that. <laughs> at Lenin 4 asked, what was the reaction like back in the States when you said you were buying Leighton Orient? My family and friends, uh, are extremely supportive of, the crazy things that I do in my life. And I am so blessed. My family is just fantastic. And my collection of friends that I have are phenomenal. Of course, there were a ton of congratulations. Uh, some of them questioned my sanity. <laughs> and and so it was, you know, the celebration, I'm sure, was fantastic. Again, I was in the dark in Australia. So, you know, I hope it was fantastic for them for the most part. At Darren underscore Burrows says, does Nigel and the rest of the board plan to come on the pitch before the first home game as we'd love to show our appreciation for you? Well, we've talked about this. Um, it's so nice not to be limited by 140 characters, by the way. <laughs> um, I have such a deep and... Uh, It's called, I I call it reverence. I have such a reverence for the player and the coaches that I am and will remain extremely hesitant to step onto the pitch. I probably will not go there because that to me is hallowed ground. It's reserved for the players and the coaches. Obviously, don't even get to walk on the uh, on the pitch necessarily. Now, basketball, they do. They get all over the court. But you know, for me, it's hallowed ground, and so I doubt that I will be willing uh, to step onto the pitch. I might be willing to go into the coach's box. That might be the closest uh, I would get to it. Uh, I might step into the tunnel, uh, but I am I am very um, I'm very reverent about this, uh, and I don't think I'm unreasonably what do you call it when you you know you have a lucky charm and all that. I'm losing the word right here. Um, um oh, I don't know. Uh... Where essentially, so just to answer the question more simply, no, <laughs> probably not. Nice one. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Good answer. Um, Barry Grestock tweeted us, and he said, "How hard was it to keep from us fans the fact that you were trying to buy the club?" Uh, Cryptic Kent did the best job he could to let you know that he was trying to buy the club. Um, It's very difficult because you want people to know that you are trying to do what's best for them. And, you know, that's, that's the reason to say something um, is because you, you just want them to know that you're trying to do best for them. And that's what we were trying to do. At Mossy LJ says, do you plan on connecting Siege Sports and Orient in any way 
for example, having Siege manufacture our kit in the future? I've had a conversation with Siege about a number of different things. Um, they are very good friends of mine. I talk to them uh, quite often. They were super excited about the club. We There are contractual uh, issues that we face, uh, both currently and possibly long-term. And so we just have to work that out. Um, whether it's Siege or not, or Adidas or not, or Nike or not, or now, you know, there's so many different brands. Um, we want kits that we believe that the fans are extremely proud to wear. And we want them to be extremely excited about wearing, you know, our badge and our brand. And that's mostly what we want. So whether that comes in the form of Siege or not, uh, I don't know. But I do know that we want them to be very proud to wear, uh, you know, the kits. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so Tyler, age 13, I think probably through his mum or dad's uh, Twitter account, at 67, uh -huh. Sammy says, did you follow English football before buying Leighton Orient? And if so, who did uh -huh. you support? I'll uh, see now. And superstition is the word I was thinking about, about uh, the ground. It's uh, not that I'm superstitious not to go on the ground. It's just that I'm reverent about it. Um, have I followed, let's see, yes, in a certain sense, um, because I'm very aware of Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, I'm very aware of Millwall. Um, uh, the, there, there are a number of clubs in, um, in London. Uh, there's Man United, there's Man City, there's Liverpool. Uh, you know, there are, you know, West Ham. There are, there are Ooh. so many great clubs. Let me, let me put this maybe in a little bit different context for, the what you guys have in the UK that the rest of us so crave. You see, the way I look at it is that UK football is the pinnacle of football worldwide. And football is a worldwide sport. It's played in almost every country in the world. Now, it's not always called football, but we'll someday get over that <laughs> and and so we have to understand that the pinnacle of football occurs in the premiership and the best players in the world gravitate toward the premier league so it's very easy to follow the premier league because it's so globally known and it's obviously very exciting to watch the best players in the world play against each other on a very consistent basis. As far as being a supporter of a club, that's a different level of commitment than just watching a game or just sort of having a passing interest. So in a certain sense, I've never really been a supporter of another club in London, but Fortunately, now I found my place, and <laughs> You'd hope so. and and so and so that's so I look at it from I sort of look at it through that lens. So we also had a question from at Adam Ellis. Uh, oh no, sorry, actually Adam, sorry, we've asked you. We've pretty much answered Adam's question. Um, John Macker, nineteen seventy-seven, messaged us and said, "What's the key to a successful business?" no one key uh, success to business in, from my perspective. Um, I've had the great fortune to be a part of some phenomenal uh, businesses. I uh, worked for Microsoft uh, in the 90s um, and I had some just amazing opportunities there. Um, I've built a number of businesses in the United States and around the world that have been very, very fast growing. And there is no one particular key 
to success in business, there are, I would say, a group of principles uh, that are involved in that. Um, some of them surround product and making sure that you have the right product, the right product offering, the right product mix, that kind of thing. Um, sales is really important because money tends to become important over time. Um, so you need really good sales or you re- need really good marketing. And then I also think that you have to be very good at uh, working with people and making sure that the people uh, who work with you are extremely motivated, extremely enthralled, extremely excited uh, to be involved in the business. And you have to find people who naturally want to be in that type of a company or in that type of a business. We all, as people, have talents that are somewhat unique to each of us. And so it, it, I think one of the big keys of a very successful business is the ability to take people who have diverse talents and diverse views and mold that into something that creates a product and or a service that's very valuable to a customer base. Fantastic. Good answer. Thank you very much. Uh, so, I'm sure. sure Pavit asked, and you've obviously mentioned about your feelings about going on the pitch, but he has said, do you reckon you and Nigel would ever take a penalty at half-time, or would you do it no. during the first home game of the season? <laughs> no. And there is, a no, valid, I, no. there is a validity no. to this, just to precurse this, Kent, because at half-time, there is entertainment that goes on on the pitch where we get some youngsters from some local youth football clubs that come on and take penalty kicks against... The, the mascot or Theo, or Theo. Yeah. so there is some validity behind this so that's kind of I guess where that question's come from oh I um, you're not going to have your rubber arm twisted on this no 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 no, no 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 listen okay so here's the thing about that what you're asking me to do is take away a slot from a fan who is of age X to Y, who will be completely thrilled to do what you just talked about. And so I'm not looking at it from the perspective of whether it's me or not. It's the challenge that I'm taking away from the experience, the potential experience of a fan that will last a lifetime for them. And it will create for them an association to Leighton Orient that may cause them to be a season ticket holder for the rest of their lives and the rest of their family's lives, their sons, their daughters, their grandsons, their granddaughters. And so if you're asking me whether I would rather do it, I'd rather them do it, I'm always going to answer that I'd rather them do it. Pi and Mash asked on the forum, have you ever been to Kent? Have what? Have, have you ever been to Kent? It's a county, it's in, a county England. in England. Oh, yes, I have been to Kent. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I have been to Kent, and one of my lifetime goals is to meet the Duke of Kent. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Put that out there. I'm sure he's an Orient fan. <laughs> yes, I, might be able to tell I, that I have been to Kent, and I do realize that it is a you know an area that's southeast of London, or more east. But yeah, mm-hmm. brilliant, great brilliant. stuff. And the last one from the forum from Come On UOs RS says, "Hi guys, can you ask Kent how many National League games he thinks he'll see this coming season?" You know, Charlie and I talked about this. Uh, I have uh, requested of my wife, my boss, um, your CEO. You know, how many how many days do I get to be in in uh, in London or in in the UK? Uh, we've settled on a hundred so far. Although I don't think I really will be able to make a hundred. My daughter's senior year in high school was an extremely important thing to me. Um, her being our third daughter. There are certain traditions that occur uh, in a uh, in a U.S. based in a Texas based high school that I do not want to miss. There are certain things I want to be there for and be there for her. So I'm going to balance that against uh, some of the other business interests and things that we're trying to accomplish in other 
parts of the world. Uh, but, you know, 100 days. I know there are 46 plus cup and plus some other things. Uh, I'm hoping that I make it to half. I, I, I do want to say this. I think that this is not new to anybody that knows me, by the way. I think that being an owner means that you're present. And that means that the fan base believes that you care and that the fan base believes that they have access to you and that the fan base believes that you show up. So hopefully uh, over the next you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I hope that the fan base believes that I am an extremely present uh, person for them. And I, I am not saying that we're going to move to London because I don't think we're going to move to London. But I do hope that people say, it seems like Kent is in London the appropriate amount of time. Amazing. That's a great philosophy to have. And I think some, you know, there's three games in a week at certain points in the season. Uh-huh. So uh, it sounds uh-huh. very doable, but we appreciate you've got a lot on your plate. So that was all the questions that we had, really. Yeah, um, I guess in those three games, we're all hoping that you see three wins from three and nine points out of nine and a, and a great start to life in the National <laughs> League. Yeah. So thanks to everyone who, who sent in questions for Kent. If we didn't ask yours, it's probably because we think yours has already been asked earlier in the conversation or has been mentioned. So just to finish up then, Kent, um, what's your final message in for Orient fans who are listening to this podcast? Well, I have two. Um, congratulations on having your club back and up the O's. That's amazing. Brilliant. And what a way to finish. That is amazing. So that brings to an end our interview with cryptic Kent Teague and we thank him so much for giving up an hour or so of his of his day to speak to us. You can hear how warm, how friendly, how honest, how engaging he is and wants to be with the Orient fandom and, and that can only be a positive thing for Leighton Orient. We're looking at short, medium and long term which is not something we've had for the last three years and is a absolutely welcomed um, a tactic to take and uh, we look forward to seeing him out and about in, in London uh, and at the at, at the pre-season games yep so our thanks obviously go to Cryptic Kent um, if you're listening on iTunes please subscribe and give our podcast a review if you're listening on SoundCloud TuneIn or Stitcher add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them and like we've already mentioned uh, in previous episodes if you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast but isn't smart enough to download the podcast, grab their phone and download it. Get it on and put it in their ears because you know there's loads of Orient fans out there who would love to hear these interviews with Nigel and with Ken uh, to celebrate a new era at our club. So that's it. We hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Kent and everyone at the club who's helped sort out the interview. And we'll play you out. We're rocking all over the world and we'll be back very soon in the future. Have a great week. Up the O's. Up the O's.